In the age and time of the Me Too movement, how are women supposed to act, respond, or speak up for themselves? How do they find their voice? How do they find their place? And how do they decide what to do next? Hi, welcome to another episode of Business Mindset Mastery. I'm taking a bite out of a big conversation today. My name's Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and performance coach for business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs. You can always find me over at choosetohaveitall.com. And I'm sitting on a letter that honestly, I probably wanted to dodge and avoid a little bit um, because it's part of a hard conversation that's happening in um, our culture and our society right now about the way women are treated, mistreated, respected, and disrespected across a wide variety of industries in the workplace um, and in general as they move through their lives. And I think sometimes that one of the things that's really powerful is when women are coming up and sharing their experiences and sharing their stories, um, we put a face to the story. We put a face to the conversation. It feels more specific. It feels more accessible. It almost on some level feels easier to have the conversation than when we're just talking generally about sexual harassment or about how women are viewed and perceived in the workplace or, you know, equal pay issues. I, th- I think that when we have a specific situation, it's so much easier to understand or help us find our way and have the conversation. So I'm going to be transparent here. I am by no means speaking for every woman. I am by no means like laying claim on a hot political topic, but I do think this is an important conversation and I'm staring at an important question. So I'm just going to dive in. I'm going to give my two cents and we'll see what happens from there. Heather, I'm a sales rep for a pharmaceutical company. When I hear people say they don't want to be salesy or sleazy, salesy or sleazy, I largely think they're talking about industries like mine. I'm going door to door daily talking to doctors and medical staff about my company's products. I'm good at what I do. I'm on a team of 12 other people. Four of us are women. I am regularly in the top three for monthly sales on my team. I'm proud of my skill set and I know I work hard for it. However, the perception of my success is much different. One team member said he thinks he might take off his wedding ring when approaching female clients because he thinks the fact that I'm single helps with my sales statistics. On the flip side, when approaching potential clients, I am often feeling belittled, dismissed, and overlooked by men because I'm a woman, as if my gender implies that I know less about the medical field when, in fact, I work really hard to stay up to date, educated, and informed. When I mention this to others, I'm told I'm too sensitive because I'm likely being blown off simply because I'm trying to sell them something and nothing to do with the fact that I'm a woman. Here's the thing though, Heather, I think it's true. I think sometimes I do get the sale because I'm a woman and I appear available. I also think it's true that I sometimes lose a sale because I'm not taken seriously or seen as somebody who knows what they're talking about. In the age of the Me Too movement, what are you telling women in terms of how to deal with this and how to protect themselves, not just from sexual harassment, but from the rude and disrespectful views of women that still seem to exist in the workplace? What advice do you have? Okay, first of all, I'll say I don't mind saying so. (laughs) Couldn't you have asked somebody else? (laughs) This is a really hard topic, and I feel like my answer means so much to so many different types of women and men listening to this show. The pressure to have 
the perfect answer and the perfect response feels a little intense. Um, so I'm just going to lead with that because transparency is king for me. But the next thing that I'm going to say is there are all kinds of different ways of responding. And I think one of the things that's happening in this time of Me Too, in this social media age where everybody's being blasted across the internet, across social media for this happening, this not happening, this being said, this not being said, is that there is this assumption um, and presumption, really, that there is a right way to respond, or there's only one way to respond, or if you don't speak up and speak out, you're part of the problem, or if you do speak up and speak out, you're, you're creating too much noise and you're not allowing for conversation because you're just at a rally rather than, you know, talking to the people who matter. If you report it, you're this. If you don't report it, they're that. There are all kinds of points of view, all sorts of pressure to have a response or the right response. And I'm not excluded from that. I feel it as I respond to this letter. But here's the thing. If we take away, uh, I guess, like the story and the importance and the significance of this particular issue at this particular time, I don't think my advice is any different than the advice I give all the time. Getting crystal clear on who you are, the life you want to have, and the way you want to move through the world. Because some people are going to approach this from an advocacy perspective. They're going to want to get at the top of their lungs and stand in front of a microphone and say, this is an issue. This isn't fair. This needs to change. People are going to want to protest, go to the, you know, state houses and, um, you know, petition local senators and representatives. They're going to want to talk about it on social media. They're going to want to bring awareness. They're going to want to create a movement around it or join the movement already in place. And that's that's a perfectly appropriate response for somebody who wants to move through the world in that way, who believes that that's how she or he can use their voice. If you believe you have to say something, if you want to say something, if your gut is telling you it is time to say something, then I encourage people to say something. There's other people who will say, well, I've never experienced sexual harassment. This really isn't my thing. I leave it to the women who've been affected. Well, the not my monkeys, not my circus mentality does work for some people. And if that is your value, that you don't believe you get to have a say simply because this hasn't happened to you, then you can choose that path. You get to decide how you're going to move through this issue in the face of the issue happening. You know, so one of the, the things to think about here is are you feeling discomfort? Are you feeling like outside of your skin by letting these comments go, by not addressing men when they're dismissive of you and you show up to their office, by telling the sales rep who says he wants to take off his wedding ring that like, you know, that that's, you know, that's not the issue. The issue is, is your sales strategy and the way you approach the job. Do you feel as though you are being disloyal or disrespectful to yourself or giving permission to an issue by not saying something. If not saying something isn't working for you, 
then yes, you have to decide how you're going to go about saying something. Because staying quiet, putting up with it, rolling your eyes, gritting your teeth is no longer working for you. It's contributing to your job dissatisfaction, your personal dissatisfaction. It's disrupting your you as you go about your day. It's on your mind. And when you're approaching men in these offices and you're skipping it because you're still trying to get the sale, my story about you is that that doing that feels like giving that man permission to be ignorant, to be judgmental, to put you in the less than position. And that part of you wants to speak up and say something. If you decide you want to say something, but you don't know how or what, that is different than, you know, not wanting to say something at all. You get to decide how you're going to show up in a conversation and you get to decide how far outside your comfort zone you're going to do, how much personal risk you're going to take, what kind of supports you would want in place before you do something like that. Some people are just going to want to march themselves to HR. Some people are going to want to have conversations with their supervisor. I'm somebody in those situations that I don't usually go through channel. I usually just say it out loud. So in that situation where the man says, I'm going to take off my wedding ring because it seems like the single people are getting more sales, I would say, well, that sounds like a pile of bullshit and it's really disrespectful. Would you like to like, you know, tell me why, you know, my single status is affecting, you know, my bottom line or something like that. I would just call it out. And if, if it was said in a group, I would probably respond back in a group because that's how I roll a little bit. But that doesn't have to be the way you roll. That doesn't have to be how you respond. You may just want to pull the guy aside and say, listen, you know, like that was a real shit comment you said to imply that the only reason why I'm good at my job is because I'm not married disrespects me or, you know, implies that I'm somehow like not good enough on my own that I need like a selling point. I just want you to think about that comment and how it was perceived. Um, and then, you know, the same thing goes true in the office. Like, it's funny as you say pharmaceutical sales and the first thing I think of is you guys have the best pens on the planet. I um, When I did community mental health, our pharmaceutical reps always came in with the best pens. So I had like a Prozac pen and a Wellbutrin pen. But um, if you have a pen stash that's really good um, and a really good pen, send it my way. I gladly accept it. But I remember how people would approach these conversations in the clinic, how people would show up. And I got to tell you that sometimes how people are perceived has to do with how they show up. Sometimes people would come into our office and they would come in knowing or assuming rather that nobody was going to buy from them, that we weren't going to pick up their med or whatever. So the way they presented it was kind of half-assed and sloppy. They did it because they had to, but they didn't do it because, you know, with any expectation expectation of actually getting a sale. So you want to think about how you're showing up for your job. You want to make sure that you feel good about it. Given your sales numbers, it indicates to me you are showing up well. But then you have to decide in a conversation where you're representing a a company, because that's what you're doing. You're representing your company and their product. You're going into someone else's house, because essentially when you go into someone's business, it's the same thing as going to someone's house. And you're telling them, I don't like the way you're treating me. You get to do that. 
beginning, middle, and end. You're, you may have natural consequences with your company. You may have like natural consequences in terms of your sales numbers. But again, if not saying something isn't working for you, you get to say something. You also get to decide how you're going to say something. So if you notice you're being dismissed, if you notice you're not being taken seriously, I think it's fine to call it out and say so. And you don't need to be like, hey, jerk, <laughs> listen up. You get to say, hey, Hey, I'm sorry. Like, I know it's disruptive when I come into your day. I try to make it easier, you know, and, and sort of gild the lily with a cup of coffee and, the, uh, you know, some baked goods. I can see I don't have your attention. Do you have a specific question about the product I'm offering that you would be, be more interested in knowing? That simple line, I see I don't have your attention. That may be all you need to say. Or you may, like, notify your boss that a particular office doesn't seem particularly friendly to female salespeople, so you're going to choose a different office. You get to decide your boundary based on your comfort level and setting it and how strict of a boundary you want to hold. You're in a crap position where you're somebody's employee right now, So, and I'm not saying that because you have a job. I'm saying that because when you represent another company, they have a large say in how you respond to these things. So you get to you know, sort of say something to your company, to your boss, and see how they roll the dice and see, you know, if they have your back, how they respond, because you are going to have to follow their lead. You also get to decide how you're going to participate in the larger conversation, how you're going to show up on the work team, how you're going to talk about these things, bring them out to the open and just, you know, address it head on. You said you have a team of 12 people. I think it's totally fine without having like starting a fight, without going into conflict, without saying to somebody like, are you really good with the idea that because you have a wedding ring, I tell you that your sales, oh, well, it's, it makes sense that you got those sales because, you know, people people know that you're focused on family now that you have a wedding ring and they know they'll take this, you'll, you know, they know you'll take the sale seriously. If you want to say that out loud and help people see how their common is perceived, you get to do that. You get to also say like, hey, I thought we had each other's backs on this team and I, I'm all for competition, but I'm not for bringing each other down just because of our gender. That's not like what we do here. There are so many different ways of responding. You can get to decide according to you who do you want to be and whether or not you want to say something because saying something comes with the natural consequence that you're going to piss some people off that some people are going to disagree with you some people aren't going to you know um, have your back in the discussion they're going to ask you why you're starting trouble and all of that. And you're going to have to address that. And you're going to have to be really clear and transparent with people and say and tell them what you want them to think. I'm starting this conversation because not having this conversation isn't working for me anymore. Or skipping the conversation and the implications that because I wore a skirt and showed my legs, that's how I got the sale. I don't, I don't like hearing that. It feels disrespectful of my talent and how hard I've worked to get here. So we need to change the dialogue. So often when people People speak from ignorance, they actually don't know they're being ignorant. So sometimes you just say, hey, I don't realize, I don't know if you realize what you just said here, 
but it's kind of disrespectful or, you know, like that, that's not like, that's not the true story of me. Is that really what you think of me? That like, I just got this sale because I'm single. I think it's okay to have a conversation without having a confrontation. Now, if you are in the space of an actual bully, of someone who is not like, you know, no bones about it, sexually harassing you, then you need to decide what you're going to do about it. And I can tell you that I always recommend saying something. I've sat with so many women who choose not to say something. I've sat with so many people who don't make that choice because they worry about career suicide. And I know that's a real threat, but I've never seen somebody regret saying something, even when they've sat in the natural consequence of it. But I've absolutely sat with people who sit in the regret of not saying something. Because what happens internally when you don't say something, when you don't complain, when you don't speak your truth, is you sometimes run the risk of swallowing the other person's truth as your own. That you are a little bit less than, that you somehow did something to deserve it, that this is happening to you for a reason, or you somehow deserve it. You gotta learn how to acknowledge it, call it out, and deal with it. But you have to do it in a way that's consistent with who you are, because as nerve wracking as it is, as scary as it is, you're already outside your comfort zone. You can't take yourself so far outside your comfort zone that you don't recognize yourself, know yourself or, you know, how you move through the world. So you have to give yourself permission to tune into your own voice, tune into your own point of view, and then decide what you want to do next? What will help you look yourself in the mirror with pride and with self-respect and self-acceptance? If you focus on that, you will find your way in the larger conversation. And that, and you're going to find that out relatively fast because something's going to happen and you're not going to have said something and you're going to say, oh, that doesn't feel right. I have to say something. Or you're going to say something and go, oh gosh, I shouldn't have even bothered. It's like talking to a wall. And you're going to realize you have to pick and choose your battles. If you pay attention to this conversation with self-awareness, you are going to find the right path for you. And that's what's so critical in this conversation, not to assume that there's one universal path for advocacy for all women. There's one way to speak out against it. There's one way, the one way to participate in Me Too. You get to decide your way, your path, because it's your life, your business, your rules. There's no possible way I could have spoken up for every woman in this conversation. And I know that this is a perfectly imperfect podcast upon its delivery, but I hope this gives you some good starting points to think about. I hope it allows you to give yourself a gut check to decide like what's the response that makes the most sense for you. Um, it's it's not an easy issue. I'm, I'm so sorry you're feeling disrespected so consistently. I hope it turns around for you and I hope you're fine. I hope you find your own way in figuring out like how you can find your path towards you know helping people turn it around as well thanks so much for reaching out this question was a challenge for me uh made me nervous answering it yesterday i did a training and somebody asked me 
how do you just answer questions so confidently and you don't second guess yourself? I feel like there's a little bit of karma here getting this question right on the heels of that. But there you go. Um, I, I hope you find your way. I hope you find your voice. Thanks so much for having the hard conversations with me and for trusting me to have them with you. That's just the best compliment I could possibly be given. If you have a question, you want my two cents on your life, your business, always find me over at heather at choose to have it all.com. Thanks so much for joining me. I look forward to talking to you next time. Bye for now.